You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah, written about the coming Messiah. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The life-giving spirit of God will hover over him. The spirit that brings wisdom and understanding. The spirit that gives direction and builds strength. The spirit that instills knowledge and fear of God. This is how the prophecy envisions the Savior. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances, won't decide on the basis of hearsay. He'll judge the needy by what is right and render decisions on the earth's poor with justice. His words will bring everyone to awed attention. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. The prophets wrote that the Messiah would embody justice, liberation, honesty, and lifting up those who are oppressed. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Isaiah offers a vision of a new type of creation, proclaiming, The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. Isaiah writes, The cow and bear will graze the same pasture. Their calves and cubs grow up together, and the lion eats straw like the ox. The nursing child will crawl over rattlesnake dens. The toddler will stick his hand down the hole of a serpent. In that new way of being, neither animal nor human will hurt or kill on God's holy mountain, writes Isaiah. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. Also, on that day, the Lord, for the second time, will reach out to bring what's left of his scattered people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
please join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come together in this time gathered by your grace, trusting in your power in our midst. And we ask for you to come and work in us, work among us, work through us. And so I ask, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, the one who redeems us. Amen. Christmas music at its best can bring us great joy. Do any of you have a Christmas song that when it comes on, it just makes you smile? All right, a few of you. Do any of you have a particular Christmas song that takes you back to a certain time or place that's full of memories for you? Anybody have a song like that? All right. How many of you have a song that when that song comes on, you can't help but sing along? Anybody got a song you sing along to? Fantastic. Me too. And this year, we believe it's good to talk about some of these songs, certainly our church hymns, and to really dig into them because these are our December soundtracks. These songs provide the background to everything we live out as we lead up to Christmas. And truthfully, if we're being honest, there, there are a lot of Christmas songs that are just a little too cheesy or a little bit unfortunate in their messaging. So for me, uh, Santa Baby comes to mind. I can't handle that one. The Christmas Shoes song, it's not my favorite. And then for a modern audience, Baby, it's cold outside. And if you don't know why that's troubling, you can ask a younger woman why that might be troubling to them. But some of these songs really have a rich and complex message that is worth digging into. And not just because they're catchy songs and we sing them every year, but in fact because they have messages to teach us about how to live our lives and how to put our faith into action. And many of these hymns in particular teach us about doctrine and belief, and it's our faith in song that we're proclaiming when we lift our voices. And we're going to look at a few more traditional kind of Christmassy songs in the weeks ahead. But today we're starting with an Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And it may not be as widely known as Silent Night or Away in a Manger, but it is no less of a classic. This song has roots that are over 1,200 years old. In the 8th and 9th centuries, monastic communities would sing what they called the O antiphons. And these O antiphons are printed in your hymnal. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is number 211, and the antiphons are that accompanying text on the reverse page. And so each day, these monks in these communities would sing an additional antiphon in that week leading up to Christmas. And according to scholars, they would end with an additional eighth antiphon that is not printed in your hymnal that was part of the Magnificat, which is Mary's song that you can find in Luke chapter 1. And so you have this story building throughout the week leading up to Christmas in these early communities. And the meter of the hymn was composed as early as the 12th century, and the point really of the song was to help focus hearts and minds on the coming of Christmas Day. And the goal of the hymn was to enrich our understanding of Emmanuel God with us, the Savior born in our midst. And each verse of the song and each accompanying antiphon invokes an image from Scripture, promises about who God has been, 
and who God has promised to be to us in the future. Now, I want you to stick with me here because I'm going to give you a little bit more history, and it is fascinating. So the order of these antiphons, I've never said this word so much in a sermon, the order of these antiphons in your hymnal, in the original Latin, has a liturgical acrostic meaning. If you've done an acrostic, you know it's the first letter of each word lines up to spell something, right? So uh, the first one is Osepentia, which is wisdom, and then O Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for God, O Radix Jesse, the stem or the root of Jesse, O Clavis David, meaning the key of David, O Oriens, dayspring, O Rex Genitium, king of the Gentiles, and then they ended with O Emmanuel on that day before Christmas. And if you put all of these things together and you take the first letter of that second word, it spells Sarkor. Now, this next bit feels like something out of the Da Vinci Code, so I want you to listen here. When you read this word backwards, it spells two words, arrow cross, which literally means in Latin, I will be present tomorrow. These monks are singing these phrases, ending with Emmanuel. Put it all together, it spells, I will be present tomorrow. And this song is infused with these messages to remind us that God has been with us, God is present among us, and God will be arriving soon. Points to this God who is with us past, present, and future a God who's been faithful in the past, and a God who will be faithful tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Sarkor, or Cross, I will be present tomorrow. And as humans, I think we tend to think of the future as fairly immediate. We say tomorrow, and we're like, yeah, okay, 24 hours from now, God, what are you going to show me? And yet, God's vision for the future is not quite as fast-paced as most of us would wish it to be. Our scripture begins in Isaiah with this ancient image, the stump of Jesse. If you were here last week for Pastor Amy's sermon, you heard all about Jesse, who was the father of David. David famously slew Goliath and then went on to be this great king of Israel who united the entire nations, all these tribes together. This image of a stump, well, that's a little more troubling That's the image of something that has died off, something that has been cut back, something that has not come to fruition, a stump of Jesse. And in fact, earlier in Isaiah, there is an image of a stump where God said, you know, people didn't listen, they messed up, and this beautiful tree became this stump of a thing. And so if you come to Advent this year feeling a little bit stumpy, you would not be alone. You'd be in very good company from all of these Jewish people and the early Christian community. But a shoot coming out of a stump, a branch that comes out where no life was seen to be had, now that's an image of hope. That's an image of possibility. That's an image of new life, of saying, hey, something unexpected is happening here. And for the Jewish people, this promise meant a new king who would unite Israel. And for us as Christians, we read this and we interpret this promise to point to Jesus the one who would come to save the entire world. And there's a lot in the book of of Isaiah that's doom and gloom. When you read through that whole book front to back, there's a lot of judgment, there's a lot of despair, there's quite a bit of conflict. 
And yet, there are these pockets, like the section we heard this morning, that are about possibility, that are about a vision for a new future, of what God envisions for the world, of what might be possible, what could happen. This shoot coming up from a stump where it it felt like there was no new life possible. And so we're invited by this scripture passage and by this hymn to imagine a reality in which justice and righteousness are the top priorities. We're invited to dream of a time when enemies, even enemies like wolves and lambs, can get along together. We're invited to visualize the kind of leader who judges not by hearsay or by political powers, but is guided by morality and virtue. This passage from Isaiah invites us into possibility and dreaming and envisioning what God might do tomorrow. And it's natural for us as humans when we're going through difficult times, we shut down our dreams. Hope feels difficult. We don't naturally imagine possibility when things are difficult. And yet, Christmas time is this season of embracing the possible, embracing, in fact, the impossible. It's a season of hope amidst these dark days and saying God is here even now. And each Christmas we celebrate the arrival of God who is present among us, Emmanuel. Each Advent we sing songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and we join our voices in singing this ancient message full of promises, and yet also an ancient message that's full of longing. Thousands thousands of years of longing for God, who is holy and ancient and powerful and wise beyond measure, to come and be with us, to come and be present with us today, tomorrow. And our hymn and our scripture proclaim that it's more than just a longing, it's more than us just wanting it to be so, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That's the refrain of that hymn. Even the impossible shall be possible. Now you might notice singing this hymn, it has a little bit of dissonance because we're singing rejoice, rejoice, and it's in a minor key. And I've in fact had people specifically tell me that they have trouble with this hymn for that reason. You're singing this uplifting message and yet it's in such a dour tone. And yet I think this juxtaposition is really powerful in this season because for 11 centuries, Christians have participated in this tension of Advent in its various forms. It's a season of longing and wishing for what might be and waiting for God to come And we remember that there are people like Isaiah, in fact, who wrote our scripture, who have experienced the exile of brokenness, the exile of broken relationships, the wilderness of grief or transition, the captivity of heartbreak or addiction or anxiety. These are all things that the people of Israel historically experienced, and yet they're things that we experience too today in our own way. And yet still we proclaim, rejoice. There is possibility with God. Even in the midst of a minor key, we're proclaiming, rejoice. 
And certainly some years the tune feels a little bit more minor than others. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, well, I'm feeling pretty good about Advent this year. I don't, I'm not too worried about it. And yet sometimes we enter the space and we feel like, yeah, this is going to be a tough one. And Advent reminds us, whether we're in that major key or that minor key, that we can place our our trust in God because God is envisioning a different type of future, a better kind of future for us and for the world around us. And this lens of possibility expands into the rest of our lives as well. Like, just because we have relationships in our lives that have been conflicted in the past, perhaps like wolves and lambs, it doesn't mean that they have to be conflicted forever. Just because we've encountered erroneous judgment, perhaps, in the past, doesn't mean that we're going to receive that kind of judgment forever. You see where I'm going here. If a wolf can lie down with a lamb, what else might be possible in our lives and in our world by the grace of Jesus Christ, by the coming and the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit, and by the arrival of Emmanuel? And Isaiah's words invite us to dream of something new, something impossible, something God might surprise us with in our midst all the time grounded in that promise that God is at work and Emmanuel shall come. In this season, we remember God is wisdom on high. God is rooted in our history. God holds our future. And God is the one who takes the darkness and breaks in with light, breaks down barriers, breaks through doors. And the God who was and is and is to come offers us hope and possibility and new journeys in this time. And so as we sing these words and we shout out, rejoice in this minor key, God keeps showing up in our midst. God keeps showing up to love us and to walk with us and to guide us and to set us free by the grace of Jesus Christ for whatever might be next that God is calling us to in our lives. And it's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of. Now, every now and again, I will watch a cheesy Hallmark Christmas movie. Has anybody watched a cheesy Hallmark Christmas movie this year? A few of you. All right. And in this type of Christmas movie, uh, oftentimes the plots can be a little bit predictable, shall we say, and yet we still kind of love the experience. And in one of these such Hallmark movies, there's a character who says, hope begins when you stand in the dark looking out at the light. Fairly profound quote from a Hallmark movie. Hope begins when you stand in the dark looking out at the light. And this makes me think of hymns like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because we're standing here at the beginning of Advent, a beginning of this season that will take us in to the shortest days and longest nights of the year. And yet, in the midst of these darker days, in the midst of whatever has brought us worry, whatever has felt like exile or wilderness or despair in our lives, we stand and we look towards the arrival of the light, the light of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. Author Sarah Bessie puts it this way, I want to be part of a people who sees the darkness, knows it is real, and then, 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 lights a candle anyway and holds that candle up against the wind and passes along that light wherever it's needed, from our own homes, to the halls of legislation, to the church pulpit, to the kitchens of the world. We're a people who are in search of what is possible. 
and at Advent we look towards Christ's arrival to light up those dark spots in our lives. And we say, come here, O Emmanuel. Be with us, walk with us, stand with us in the dark, sing with us in this minor key. Draw us forward, day spring. Grant us wisdom. Be the key that unlocks the door that's locked before us. Teach us how to dream impossible dreams. We're going to sing a lot in the weeks ahead. There will be a lot of fantastic Christmas music yet to come in Advent. And these songs are rich in our hearts. They remind us of good feelings, of deep emotions, of moments in our faith. But you know what? This song, in its minor key, is the perfect place to start our journey. Because hope starts when we stand in that darkness and we look, even so, toward the light. So I invite you to sing loudly, church. Rejoice. Lean into the Christmas songs and the Christmas spirit. And stay alert because God is here and God is on the move. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.